Amen. Y'all give a shout out to Chris, Ben, and Eric leading us in worship. Man, are y'all awake? I mean, y'all awake? Not like awake in your life, but I mean awake with your spirit. You know what I'm saying? Are y'all awake? Praise God. Praise God. Um, first off, thank y'all for your support and prayers for our Honduras team. Most of them are sitting over here. We, I asked them to uh, sit uh, find where Linda and I usually sit. And uh, guys, I mean, it was just such a blessing. I know we're still kind of, Bird, you're raising hands. I mean, you got, have you put your hands down since we got back? Um, we had a, a, a wonderful time. Y'all will be, uh, y'all be hearing stories probably for the coming months. Uh, on Sunday, August 14th, we're going to uh, have a video of our time in Honduras. So I hope you can be here. Uh, the sermon will be around our church and what we experienced in Honduras. And any friends and families that supported y'all who went, I hope you'll invite them that Sunday. But thank y'all for your prayers. Um, it was just a phenomenal trip. We are starting a series today about growing in Christ. And a big part of that is your personal relationship with Christ. And a big part of that is simply your prayer life, quiet time with God. And something that impacts me is worship music. A lot of times I like to spend time in devotion, just getting my mind and my heart and my soul ready to enter God's word with worship music. Worship is also a big part of our church family. Thankful for Chris and his leadership. And in the coming months, well, in the coming month, coming weeks, we're going to be rolling out some worship CDs. And I wanted Chris to share so y'all will be knowing uh, what's coming in the next few weeks. So, Chris, go ahead, brother. One of the only worship leaders that doesn't know how to work a microphone, obviously. Um, yeah, you know what? The worship team, who you can tell most of us, well, most of them are gone, but we're. You know, God's blessed us so much with, with so much talent, you know, and, and, and just a true, I mean, these guys are the best, you know, and they truly just want to worship God, and they have dedicated hours and hours and hours of their time just to come up here and worship God. And you know what? I think they need a big round of applause for that. Y'all better listen to the iPod on the worship, I mean, to the, what's it called, the what we call that thing, the podcast. Podcast, yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, so on August the 14th, we, the, we have recorded a CD, a worship CD. And y'all have heard all of these songs before, but um, you just don't know it because I don't ever say that we wrote them. But that's the cover of the CD. Thank you, Joe Bird. And um, we're going to have a night of worship, and we're going to start having nights of worship. And we're partnering up with J.A. with these uh, nights of worship. And the first one... <laughs> The first one will be August the 14th. Obviously, it'll be our CD release night, and it will be a back-to-school night of worship with, with the Bellwether Praise Band. And um, we just want to come in here. It's going to look a lot different than it does on Sundays, but we just want to thank God, and we want to we share this music that he's put on our hearts and, um, and just play it for, for everybody so that we all corporately can sit here together and worship, worship God. That's, that's all we want to do on, on the 14th. Amen. Thank you, Chris. And again, worship is just a big part of our life as a church family, and it will continue to be so, and it will continue to grow, both worship here at Bellwether and then worship in outside venues. So uh, hope you'll be looking out for those CDs again on August 14th, which is going to be a big Sunday. And uh, again, thank you, Chris, for your leadership and the worship team. Uh, last, as we move into our offering time, 
Patrick Johnson, I want to thank him for preaching last Sunday. I don't think he's here today, but he gave a wonderful message on money and how you use it and how um, just how your financial life can be shaped by Christ. And one of the points he made, I think the biggest point he made, is to try to live where you give first, you save second, and then you spend last. And I know so much of us can turn that around where we spend first on us. So I want to thank you again, as I do each Sunday, for what you give to the life of this church. And I want to encourage you to give more and save more and spend for yourself less because that's where the true blessings of life are. I know Patrick and Paul Lanning are starting a financial peace class uh, this month, too. So he spoke about that. And if any of y'all are interested in being part of that, I think that's a great opportunity to learn practical practices financially with Christ in your life. So anyway, I hope you'll do that. And um, before we move into that offering time, y'all just stand and greet one another. And I thank you again for your prayers and support as we go went to Honduras. Okay, well, I've, I've been asked uh, to talk to y'all about my experience uh, as part of Radical Raise, and in particular about the Rise with God part of Raise. Uh, in which we were uh, asked and, and encouraged by John Hugh to get into God's Word on a daily basis, uh, and read His Word as part of our, our regular daily schedule. To, to help guide us in this, we used a book called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordiero. It's, it's sort of a unique book because it's a book written about the Bible to encourage you not to read books about the Bible, but to read the Bible itself. So it, it, uh, and he recognizes that, uh, that uh, contradiction. But in the second half of the book, I think there are, there are three critical points that have helped me immensely in reading, in, in, in reading the Bible and in understanding the importance of it. And the, the first point he makes is that there are different stages that biblical information will take in you uh, as you incorporate it into your thoughts and into your uh, heart and into every uh, part of your being. And so the first, the first stage is when you have just information about the Bible. Uh, and, and that will make, he says, that runs the risk. If you stop there, that runs the risk of making you like the Pharisees, that you can quote chapters and verses and you know all the rules, but it's not really sunk into your heart. He said the next stage, so, so it goes from your mind, then next stage is to your heart, where it causes inspiration in you and is, is good in, in the transforming effect it has on your life, but leaving it at that stage can leave you in a position of being more of a fanatical uh, person, uh, and he says the final stage, as it goes from information to inspiration, the the final stage that we should all be seeking in reading the Word is uh, incarnation. And I think the expression he uses multiple times in the book is when it bleeds out of your toes. So he wants us to incorporate the Bible and read the Bible in a way that it becomes part of our being, so that we look at the world through biblical eyes. We treat others uh, based on biblical principles. Uh, we don't go around espousing uh, necessarily. Uh, different chapters and different verses and telling people different rules and citing little details, but just to have the, the Bible and the truth of the Bible woven into the fabric of our being. The, the second one uh, is a more elusive uh, point that, I, that would not have been readily evident to me. And then I'll read a quote from the book. He says that one of the greatest gifts you will receive from entering the Bible on a daily basis is an increasing resistance to offense. And I think that's one of the most amazing things I read in the book, it, the idea that by reading the Bible more, you will 
be less likely to be offended, and I would take offense broadly to mean things like impatience or frustration uh, or anger, that there will be a peace that comes over you. And I think that is a, uh, a deeper truth uh, than I appreciated even when I first read it. And he goes on further to say that taking offense in your life will impede the miraculous in your life. And I know there's part times in my life where I'm so frustrated and so angry and so impatient and so offended that I've missed some wonderful or miraculous thing occurring in front of me because I'm so wrapped up in my own offense and frustration. And so that was the second point that I thought was a, an incredibly valuable one. And then the, the third point, which I think speaks uh, very strongly to me, uh, is that when you read the Bible, you shouldn't read it to uh, snag, I think is the term he used, to snag information about God. Uh, you should read it uh, to see him not to snag information about him. So you should read the Bible to see God. You should read the Bible to hear God speaking to you. He also adds to that point that you're reading it to catch the heart of God and that you should be slow to espouse new information until it bleeds out of your toes. Let it sink in first. It's food for your soul before it's fodder for your ideas. And I think that's a critical thing. I think if we can, if we can look at the Bible as God speaking to us and, and God mentoring us, uh, and, and not look at it as a chance to snag more information about God or as a chance to get through the Bible in a year so that we can check that box. Uh, it really, for me, has made reading the Bible regularly at, uh, or daily a, a part of my life. Uh, I was sure when I started this program that when I finished the Bible and had checked all the boxes in the book for all the daily readings that I was going to be done doing daily reading because I would have finished the Bible and that box would be checked. But, but now I, I realize that is entirely the wrong attitude. It is, a, it is a daily walk, and we're supposed to continue to pour over God's Word because it is breathed by God, and it is Him speaking to us and speaking into our lives. And uh, in so doing, we can go through our day and look at everything through Bible-tinted lenses, sort of, so that everything we see, everything we hear, every decision we have to make has the Bible and its truths woven into it. Amen. Thank you, uh, Jack Morarty, wherever you are. There you are. Thank you, brother. Filmed in Honduras, so you'll be seeing more of these testimonies as we move through the month. Um, let's get into the Bible. You just heard Jack talk about it. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read uh, 21 verses, uh, and I hope you'll pay very close attention to it. I'll be coming back to highlight a few verses, but first, we're just going to start Ephesians 5 verse 1 through 21. Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather a giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness. For you were formerly darkness. Paul didn't say you were formerly in darkness, you were formerly darkness darkness but now you are light in the lord 
Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning I give you thanks for your word. I give you thanks that it can speak into our hearts and our souls. And my prayer is that it would bleed out of each and every one of us. Dear Lord, forgive us when we take it for granted. Forgive us when we take a relationship with you for granted. Dear Lord, I pray that... The people here, and I know they're here for a reason, they would hear exactly what you want them to say. And I pray today we would be deepened and further our personal relationship with Christ. His name, amen. This morning, um, this morning I, I want to present the gospel to you. I present it every Sunday, but let me just start with a very clear presentation of the gospel. The gospel of Christ is that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. The gospel of Christ is Jesus can rise in your life if you'll invite him into your hearts. The gospel of Christ is if Jesus rises in your heart and in your life, then you can rise out in the world and be a new person and be a different person and be transformed by his rising in you. And then the gospel of Christ goes on that there is actually no death. You know, and this is a side note. I actually went with a brother in this church to see the last uh, Harry Potter movie yesterday. It was pretty good. It was okay. But it's interesting how, and if you look at so much of literature and films going all the way back in history, it's about conquering death. And I thought over and over again, because they mentioned this movie, that they wanted to be master of death. The gospel of Christ is, if you have him in your life and he rises in your hearts, then you master death. There is no death. Your spirit will rise to heaven. And then one day, when Christ comes again on earth, our bodies, our literal bodies, will rise out of the grave, just as Jesus did, and we'll be with him together in the new heaven and the new earth. Amen? Amen. That is the gospel, okay? So in essence, you could say, if there was one word, the gospel, yes, about Jesus, but the gospel is about rising. Gospel of Christ is about rising to new life. It's about rising to heaven. It's about our bodies rising because Christ rose from the grave. It's about raising. When we started this church uh, four years ago, that summer God was putting a lot of words in my mind. I was thinking a lot about, you know, what are we going to be as a church? I mean, you can just say, hey, we're starting a new church. Hey, great. And, you know, some folks come that I've never been to church, and there's always people from other churches go, hey, check out the new church. So it can be about, it can easily be about, hey, it's the new church in town. And I was, I really prayed and thought about, yes, we're going to be that, but I want to be something different. 
I mean, I want us to have a very specific DNA. I want us to have a, a mission. And the words God kept putting over and over in my heart was leaders, families, and kingdom. I remember telling some of y'all who helped start the church. I remember, I was like, God's just putting those two, leaders, families, kingdom. And then I heard our brother Chris sing uh, one Sunday at Christ United. He sang Arise. And uh, God put on my heart right there. I was like, man, he, God's got so much in store for that guy. And he sang Arise. And I was thinking about, okay, Arise, Rise. And this, the idea, it all came together of raising leaders who raised families, who raised the kingdom. And I was like, that's, that's it. That's what I want us to be about. That, that God can change a person's heart and you can be saved, but it does it in there that then God can raise that person up to a new walk in Christ. And with that person, with that individual leader, then God can change a family and heal that family and transform that family. And then together, we can go out and raise the kingdom of God and build houses and give medicine to folks who are in need and save souls and change the world. And so in essence, that is what Bellwether's always been. I mean, if you're here just because it's a new church and worship and all that, and I mean, that's great. We want you here, but the essence of Bellwether... Raising leaders who raise families who raise the kingdom. Now, we go back. We started the church, and, you know, that happened. I mean, leaders were raised, but it kind of happened by osmosis. And there was a question I would get over and over again. Because I was shouting out that mission statement a lot, a lot more than I do now. And the question was, hey, man, that sounds great, but how? How does that, like, happen? And I'll be honest, I, I didn't have a specific answer for it. I was like, well, you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit obviously works, and someone accepts Christ in their life, and they're changed, all that, and that's great, but I'm... They're like, no, how? Because I want that. I mean, give me some, ste- give me some steps into what, some ways that I can be raised up. And so I thought long and hard, and I prayed, and we talked to the staff. And Patrick Johnson, who preached last week, he came into the conversation. We're thinking, okay, what does a leader for Christ look like? How can we help people be raised? How can we help people take steps to grow in Christ? And we came up with five things. Your personal relationship and your devotion time. Your family life. Being part of a church body. Being part of a smaller accountability group. And going out in mission. So then that was the beginning. And then that became raise. Now some of you probably walk by raise every Sunday. Like what's that? Hey it looks great. These letters. But raise is our plan. It's a step to help you grow in Christ. And I know the Holy Spirit can work in a lot of different ways. And listen, I'm, I'm not necessarily a step-by-step person, but I do believe if you practice those five things which are in rays, I believe God is going to work on your life, God is going to change your life, and you're going to be a leader for Christ. You may not think you're a natural leader, or you may not, you may not say, hey, I don't speak well in public, or you know, I don't, I'm not a type A type of dude or, or lady, but if you practice those five things, you are going to be raised up as a leader for Christ. So, this month, these next five Sundays, we're going to highlight each letter and what it means. And we start with R, Rise with God, which you heard Jack talk about. And I believe it starts with R. Now, it definitely grows into the church, and it definitely grows into going out in the world, but it has to start here. It has to start in your heart. It has to start with a personal relationship with Christ that is growing, that is growing in quiet time as God just speaks to you, that is growing in prayer, that is growing to looking in God's Word and the Holy Spirit 
speaking through it into your life, it has to start there. It has to start there. I'll tell you what, it has to start here. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 2 again. It says, Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a fragrance to God as a fragrant aroma. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. It starts there. It starts knowing in your heart how much Jesus loves you and what he did for you. And I believe if you know that truly, I mean, if you really know that, you're going to experience salvation. And I think, I shared this with our raised communion time this morning. I think we got a lot of, and I'll be honest, I think we got a lot of false salvations. And I'm not saying in this church, I'm talking in church in general. Because a lot of us are raised in Sunday school and raised going to church. And we know, hey, I know Jesus loves me. I know he died on the cross. But there are people that don't know in their hearts. And they're not experiencing salvation. I want you to know in your heart. It starts there with that relationship with Christ. When we were in Honduras, we had the, uh, just the, the wonderful opportunity to witness Four people come to salvation. And I believe with all of my heart, because I was looking them in the eyes, that they knew in their hearts, well, first they were seeking somebody to love them. And they were seeking love. And when we shared the gospel with them, and they said, I want to receive Jesus in their hearts, man, I believe it was a legit deal. And man, it was just a, a powerful opportunity for us to see that. And witness that. Now, I believe that other people that we didn't necessarily see or weren't there, it happened to them as well. But that is where it starts. It starts saying, I want to know Jesus' love. And I believe that he loves me. And I believe that he died so that I could have new life. It starts there. And when you know that, then I believe you start saying, man, I want to I know what this book says. I want to know what it speak, how it speaks into my life. I want to know like what this love is all about and what all it can do for me. And, and you want more and more and more. One of the reasons I love going down to Honduras is we stay in this beautiful spot. We stay on this lake. There are mountains in the background. And several of us woke up early every morning. We just, we spent time in God's Word. I'd get up, well, first, of course, the Nesbitts got up earlier than everybody. It hit like a 4 a.m. alarm clock, you know that. But I would get up and Mark Hagwood would be up sipping on his coffee. And I'd come up there and we'd look into God's Word and we'd talk a little bit and then Dobby and Ted would kind of mosey up. They had their little, uh, they have their, you know, quiet time together. Dobby and Ted had to have some time together, you know. Love y'all, brother. And uh, they got their time. They had a prayer train. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and then Tabor. Tabor, let's pray for him. He is in the hospital. I told him I was going to give him a shout out. He had a staph infection. Don't let that, let you not go to Honduras, but he's doing great. T-Bird, that's his new name, T-Bird, there was this bridge over the, kind of the opening to the lake. He goes sit on that bridge, man. Anyway, we're just, we're all having this quiet time, man. And just, Tabor was emailing and we were texting last night. And he said, man, I just love going to that bridge and meeting the Holy Spirit there. And um, I love that saying, just going to meet the Holy Spirit in your quiet time. But I really believe if you have that relationship in your heart, you're going to want to seek God. And so for me, mornings are the best opportunity to look into God's Word. And for you, it may be the close of, a, of your day. It may be during your lunch break. I don't know, but just 
If you know how much Jesus loves you, then you want to know more. And you want to pray more. And you want to just pour out your heart to him. Now, I want to ask a question of you that I, I think some of you might be asking. And it's, okay, that sounds great, but really why? I mean, isn't going to church more important? Isn't being in a smaller group more important? Isn't missions more important? I mean, why is this personal time where nobody else is around and I'm just, you know, sitting and praying or reading? I mean, why is that the central deal? Why does it just start there? So I want to share some things with you out of this passage in Ephesians 5. Why is it important first to please God? Ephesians 5, verse 10. Paul says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. I mean, essentially it's saying, I mean, you can please God and you cannot please God. There are things that we do and things that we say that don't please God. And then there are other things that, that do please God. And I think it's very interesting that Paul puts that verse right after he's talking about talking and what comes out of your mouth. And I think one of the most important reasons is to have your quiet time is to pray about what you say. I mean, yes, actions speak louder than words, but words matter. And you may be in conflict with somebody, or you may be having an experience that of potential brokenness, and you need to pray to God, hey, what do I say to this person? Convict me, God, of the words that I need to speak into this person's life. Paul puts it more bluntly. He says, verse 4, There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather a giving of thanks. No filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, gossip. Good grief. Man, gossip is a cancer. It destroys people's lives. It destroys families. It destroys churches, and it just seeps into life. And man, we are full of it. Not as a church, but I'm just talking cultures just full of gossip. You know, Lynn and I we try to make a pact, and I fail at this, so let me just say this. But let, we say we try, let's try to say nothing about someone else unless they are with us in the flesh. And then sometimes you're like, man, I ain't got anything to say at all, you know? <laughs> I mean, seriously. But I try to live by that. And, and I, I would encourage y'all to as well and see, you know, how much you actually talk or, or uh, say. But... Seriously, gossip can, man, it's so harmful. You know, talking about a person or a family or, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And, hey, look what they're doing. Look what trip they're going on. Hint, hint. Shouldn't we take that trip too? You know? And I believe we need to get time with God and say, God, man, cleanse me of this. And let me speak words that are edifying and free me so that I will not talk negatively. Or I won't even talk about someone if they're not with me. And it's also interesting too, right before he talks about talking, he, he talks about immorality and impurity in verse 3 and greed. You usually think about immorality and impurity, you know, with sexual sin and stuff like that, and then he goes into talking. That's immoral. Coarse jesting. Putting people down. Talking about yourself or bragging. I mean, you could go on about what that is. But I think we need our time with God to say, hey man, give me words that are, that are encouraging and edifying. What else pleases God? I believe what pleases God is when you try to please God and you don't try to just please everybody else. 
Look at verse 6. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Let no one deceive you with empty words. How many of us base our self-worth and our security uh, on what other people would say about us? I believe Paul's speaking this. He says those are empty words. And we want to please people, and we want people to say very nice things and good things about us. And so much of who we are is poured into that. And so much of just our, our self-esteem is, man, does that person like me? Is that person talking good about me? And we want everybody to talk good about us, and we don't even try to please God. I mean, we're more focused on pleasing everybody else than pleasing God. I believe what pleases God is to say, man, I want to be obedient to you. And I want to grow in Christ. And guys, I believe if you do that, you're not going to please everybody else. And then you know what? If you say, well, you know, honestly, it's more comfortable if everybody likes me and if I please everybody else. And then I think one day we meet our maker and we meet God and it's like the church in Revelation. And he'll say, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spit you out. I mean, seriously. We focus so much of our energy and efforts on pleasing everybody. If we're going to obey God, we're not going to please everybody. We're going to please the people that we need to please, our Christian brothers in the church. And if there's conflict, we're going to handle it in the right way and can be reconciled together. But God wants us to focus first and foremost, and man, what pleases you? How can I obey you more? How can I give more? How can I direct my life into pleasing you? I believe when you do that, when you try to please God, the Holy Spirit lives in you and grows and I'm going to tell something that a lot of y'all don't know about. I've talked about it before. Y'all, 22 of y'all know what I'm talking about, and that's the waterfall. Waterfall, a week ago today, 22 of us went inside a waterfall that was, man, which is one of the, one of the greatest experiences uh, of my life. Awesome team building experience. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But this waterfall was so powerful, and you're, you're going to see pictures of it. But I always attribute that to just like, man, just the Holy Spirit pouring over you. And you're so overwhelmed, and you're just... Man, it's just, it's incredible, and you just want to shout out. I mean, I believe that's life in the Spirit. I believe that's life when you're just pleasing God, and the Holy Spirit is pouring forth on you. That's what I want for us. And I believe if you try to focus on pleasing God rather than just pleasing everybody else, man, there's freedom to that. You may just want to shout out and say amen. You want to grow in Christ. I mean, somebody say amen. Hallelujah, right? Praise God. Please God. Why else for quiet time? Look at verse 17. It says, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The other thing is to know what God's will is for your life. I've talked to so many people throughout my life, and the question is, hey, what do I do with my life? I know many of you are asking that question or have that question on your hearts. And you may be hitting 40 or 50, or hey, what do I do with my life? I had that question for, for much of, of my life. And actually... Because I didn't have a growing relationship with Christ, I made a lot of mistakes. Now, God used those, and he continues to use them. But I think when you are focused on having time with God in a prayer relationship and looking into his word, then things are revealed to you. And you get answers to these questions. God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to this school or that? Do you want me to take this job or that? Where's this path? And I believe he reveals it to you. It says in verse 16, I believe, Making the most of your time, because the days are evil. We want to make the most of our time, and we only have so much time. We need to be in a prayer relationship with God where he is directing our steps, 
and we know what his will is for our life. So what to do with your life, also who to be with. Another just massive question I almost face and I get asked is, you know, who is the Mr. Right or Mrs. Right or I'm dating this person and should I marry them or, you know, who is it that God wants me to be with? If you're not seeking God and listening to God and spending time in his word, how do you know? I mean, you're just adrift at sea. In the most important question of your life, except for receiving Jesus, you're like, man, I, you're just deciding on your own without the help of the maker of the universe and the savior of our souls. Spending time with God, if you're in a relationship, I believe in God will speak into you so you can speak into that relationship. Those of you who are single out there right now, I always say that the number one advice that I can give if you're dating someone or considering marriage is, hey, can this person help me grow closer in Christ? Can this person help me grow closer in Christ? Remember a story, Linda doesn't know I'm going to share this, so anyway, you can, uh, I don't know how you take this, sweetie, but when we were dating and we were yet to be engaged and uh, we were both in seminary and uh, I was up, I, I don't know, I, I was reading the paper or getting ready or something, but I got a call from Linda at like 8 a.m. and, you know, it's kind of kind of weird calling early, but I don't know, maybe wishing to have a good day or something. I remember, then this, you know, years ago, and I, uh, I picked it up, and she was all excited. She's like, John Hugh, God has told me that I'm to be with you. I'm like, hey, man, works out for me, you know. Um, makes it a lot easier, but uh, we, we've talked about that. <laughs> we've talked about that since, and soon after that, we did get engaged, but she was in a prayer time, and, and she had a word from God. It said, you know, I want you you know, and this is before I knew about what I was going to do in ministry. And, uh, I mean, it has played out. I mean, uh, she is certainly my better half, but she shared, you know, God just said, you know, I, I want you, you know, I want you all to be together, you know, to grow in ministry. And, um, of course, I would gotten that word several times, you know, every day, you know, from God. But uh, <laughs> always, you know, I keep getting it. Um. But going back, you know, as, as a single person, I know the struggles and the challenges of dating life and, you know, wanting to be with the right person. I think having that prayer time, God can convict you and you can know. You can know, hey, you're supposed to be with this person. I think God can speak in your life. If you're married, you know, I also know so many people um, and one person has a growing relationship with Christ and the other one doesn't. And, um, you know, I, I hurt for these marriages, I hurt for these, these families. And I believe if you are that person who's growing in Christ and you have time, that's, that's time that you can pray that the Holy Spirit convicts your spouse. And you can pray that God would open up doors for him and her to change and be transformed by Christ. And he'll also open up your mind and your heart on what you should say and how you should act and what you should do as a godly husband, as a godly wife. And so it's not just critical for, if you're single, it's critical for our marriages. And then last, I believe understanding the will of God also applies not just to our relationship, but to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I want you to listen to me very carefully now. There's a, um, you heard me in the last series about alternate reality. There is a spiritual reality. There's a spiritual plane. The Holy Spirit is working for good. Where we have an enemy the devil and their spiritual warfare. And I think the more you have time with God, 
more time in prayer, more time in God's Word, you're sensitive to the workings of the Spirit on other people's lives. You're sensitive to, should I make this phone call? Should I reach out to this person? You're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in others' lives. Let me give you two examples of this. It happened in Honduras. Last day, we were uh, building one of our houses, and uh, there's a gentleman named Martinez who was helping us build a house, but it was going to be his house. And I didn't know Martinez as well because I had done some other stuff that week, but some of the guys on our site really had um, gotten to know Martinez and, and were loving this, this dude. And they, uh, they shared with me that, uh, that he didn't know Christ. So it was our last work day, and um, it was about 10 or 15 minutes until lunch. And uh, literally, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I mean, I, I heard about that. I was like, man, we have an opportunity here, and let's just see how he's, let's just see how he's rolling with this Jesus thing. Because he had heard us, you know, talking about Christ and why we were here. And so we, together, kind of entered into a conversation with Martinez. And we obviously don't know Spanish, so we had a translator. And, you know, we said, uh, why do you think we're here? And he said, well, just to help, you know, people in need and kind of experience the culture of Honduras. And we were like, you know, I mean, that, that's great, but that, that ain't why we're here. And we simply said, we're here for Jesus. We're trying to do our humble best to, to be Jesus. And he's like, okay, good. And anyway, God also convicted me to just go get him a drink of water. I mean, we were, he was digging this hole. We, we had to dig these holes for our for a septic tank, John Waits, hole hero. Anyway, inside, I'm sorry, I'm just throwing out all these Honduras inside jokes here. But uh, he was in this hole, he was working, I got him a glass of water. And I said, you know, the water tastes so good. He's like, yeah, it's refreshing. I said, but you will thirst again. And... Christ offers you living water. Thought back to the woman in the well. God just put that passage on my on my heart. And he said, "We're here. We're here to wa- offer you water to, where you will never thirst again." And God convicted his heart where he said he wanted to receive that water. So we were able again to witness him receiving Christ, opening his heart, and then now we could end there. Hallelujah! Praise God. Then the Holy Spirit also said, man, don't miss this moment. Water, you know, ask him if he's been baptized, if he'd like to be baptized. So we talked about that. Ask him if he'd like to receive baptism. And he said yes. And so we came and I asked him where he'd like to be baptized. He said in the center of his new house. So we brought over the water cooler. You know, no ponds or rivers around and Brought over that water cooler and got a big cup, plastic cup, and baptized him there. And then his wife said, I want to experience this too. She was baptized. They were baptized together. Hallelujah. Praise God. And but the point I want to make is there was a sensitivity to the Spirit and what the Spirit was doing. I want to share one other experience. Polly Kellum, she didn't know I'm sharing the story, but we were dedicating one of the houses, there was a young girl who was just, I mean, it was clear. She was so moved and, and weeping. We presented him with a Bible, some, some food and flowers. He was dedicating the house. And I knew this girl was, was moved. But as we were closing up, Polly came to me and said, you know, John Hughes, the Holy Spirit, I mean, can we just ask this girl if she knows Christ? I mean, the Holy Spirit's really convicting me. So we went back and, and she had, didn't know Christ, but she wanted to receive him in her heart. 
and we prayed over her. She accepted Christ. And, I mean, praise God, hallelujah again. But I, I share that because there are things, I mean, I, I love being a pastor, but there are things that the Holy Spirit can put on your hearts, just like the Holy Spirit put on Polly's hearts for that girl. And there are these spiritual connections. I mean, there's this spiritual realm. And, y'all, the more time you spend in God's Word, the more, the more you'll see that and feel that, and you'll know, hey, I need to check on that person. God's convicted me to speak into your life or ask you, hey, you know, do you know Christ? Understanding the will of God for your life, for your career, for your marriage, and then for other people. And then last, why have that time to give thanks? Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Always giving thanks. You see people and you know people who go through trials and tribulations and they're never overcome by it. They just always give thanks. Do you know folks like that? I do, man. And I think the way they overcome, whether it's divorce, whether it's through death, whether it's through illness, whether it's financial meltdown, is because they have such a strong personal relationship with God that is their rock that nothing on this earth is going to topple them or overwhelm them. And regardless of what they go through, they give thanks for that relationship and they give thanks that God's going to use it for greatness for his kingdom. It's very interesting too where Paul puts this verse. He puts it right under, look at this. Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Do not get drunk with wine. I share that is because so many of us, and I've been there, can face trials and tribulations. And you do a couple things. One, you just go get wasted and blow off some steam. Say, I'm going to escape, and I'm going to use alcohol or drugs or both to escape the reality of my life, and I'm going to live in a false reality. And alcohol is going to perpetuate that. Or two, say, hey, man, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't get drunk all the time. I just have, you know, one or two drinks a night to kind of take the edge off. Because life's so challenging or work's so challenging, you're going through this and, you know, you use that as an escape. Or then three, you say, man, work's so tough, life's so tough, marriage is so tough, kids are so tough. If I can hang with the right crowd and have the right social connections and go to the right parties, man, obviously that's going to be this great escape that's going to fill me and I'm going to have a great life and have a lot of fun and even as tough as the other stuff can be, I'm going to be fulfilled with my social relationships and my parties and blah, 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 blah. And all three are false. Yes, we're going to have trials. Yes, we're going to have tribulations. Jesus is very clear about that. And actually, the more we grow in Christ, the more we may have trials and tribulations. But it is life in the Spirit and giving thanks in Psalms spiritual songs be filled with the spirit that is how we overcome it's nothing else in this life it's nothing of course not alcohol not drugs not the right friends only by the Holy Spirit only by time with God only by a growing relationship can we give thanks through anything one last story those who worked in the medical clinic know about this well, all of our Honduras family knows about it, but there was a young girl. I was praying over people, 
in our medical clinic, and a young girl came, and she was just physically broken, shedding tears. She could not walk straight. She had a uh, physical impediment that was just so painful that she was just broken, and she had had no medical treatment. And the doctors, Jack, Mark, and Kathy, said, this girl, 15, she has got to get to a hospital now. Uh, She's been dealing with this for about a month, and if she continues to not have treatment, she is going to die by this, and it's going to be a miserable death, painful. So Henry, Henry's our Honduran leader, we had the only truck there. It's like, okay, let's, we'll try to get her to a hospital. So we took her and her aunt, and anyway, they made some calls. Well, the hospital, the local hospital was, was booked, could not see her, so we went to the Salt and Light Clinic to have a nurse try to get some contacts to get her in to no avail. But they did say that she could come in the next day, and the surgeon was coming in, would operate on her, and could, uh, could heal this, could cure this. So we got her some provisions, and anyway, her aunt was with us this whole time, and we had prayed for her several times at the clinic and travel, and then we came to her house, and of course, their house was just, you know, a little tin shack, dirt floor. And we were getting out of the truck, and I'd opened the door, and the young girl got out. She started limping to her house. Then the aunt said, I don't know this Jesus that y'all are talking about, and I'd like to know him. So then Henry and I, English and Spanish, began witness to her. She came to receive Christ at that moment. And I think about that, and I think about how God can orchestrate our steps, and how in the midst of such pain, in the midst of such confusion, and not knowing why you know, these things are happening, God can bring such good out of them. And so I give thanks. Who knows if that girl had not had that malady, whether the aunt would have been able to see Jesus. Who knows, but it happened. Amen. So I give thanks for all things, as Paul writes about in Philippians, give thanks for all things that God can bring them into good and into accordance with his will for the glory of Christ and for the kingdom of God. Why take time? Why not just go to church on Sundays? Why not just be in a a small group of friends you like and y'all can hang out and talk about, you know, what you did over the weekend, have that. Why do you need this personal time and walk and prayer and God's word? Please, God, understand his will for your life. Give thanks in all things. We want you to have that here. It happens through prayer. It happens through time in God's word. It happens through quiet time. It happens through preparing your heart with worship music that our worship team or other worship leaders could sing into your life where you're growing this personal relationship with Christ. We want you to have it as a church family. We'll do everything that we can to help you have that. I want to give you an opportunity to start right now. I'm going to close this message in a prayer. Chris and the guys, in that prayer, they're going to come up, begin leading us in a song. When I say amen and as they're singing, I'd ask you to begin by simply remaining seated. And opening your heart to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. And saying, God, I'm open, I'm here. What do you have to say to me? And if there's a point and God releases you and say, you rise and you sing and you worship, then by all means do that. It can be ten seconds later. It can be a minute later into the song. It can be two minutes. And you rise and you sing. Some of you may not be able to rise. Some of you may need to stay in prayer. That's fine. If you want to continue for the whole song in prayer... 
please do so. And some of you may need the prayer of the church. And if there's something going on in your life, I would ask to simply raise your hand as you're seated there. I'll try to get to you. If not me, our staff can try to get to you. Our Jeremiah Council and prayer leaders can get to you. Or somebody seated beside you, God willing, can see a hand and say, Man, I, I'll just put my hand on you and I'll pray for you. You don't have to share what's going on, but if you just need prayer, you just lift a hand. I want us to be a body of prayer. Because I can't, I can't make it all the way around. And our staff can't make it all the way around. But if we're a body of prayer wars and we see people in need and say, hey, it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm going to pray with you. I'm here. We can be Christ. So I want to give you this opportunity, brief or long, to rise with God. I'm going to close in prayer. And again, you remain in prayer. If God leads you to just stand in worship and you're released, you go ahead and do that. If you need to stay and pray, do that. If you need the prayer me or our church family just simply put a hand up and we will do our best to get to you let's pray together dear heavenly father you were so awesome we we really can't fathom we can't comprehend it i'm just humbled by you i'm, I'm just humbled by what you do in our church and uh just seeing people who step out whether it's locally, whether it's here at church on Sunday morning, whether it's going to Honduras, and I see the work that you're doing in them, see the work you're doing in our world. Lord, I, I pray that, that we would all know that no matter what we're going through, Jesus loves us, and he died for us, and that we can have new life, and we can be raised to literally a new person, a new marriage, a new family, a new church by the power of your Holy Spirit. Your prayers are about to be lifted up. I pray that people just pour out their hearts to you. I pray that people will be open enough to raise hands and not be worried about, hey, somebody's going to see my hand raised and wonder what's going on in my life. Dear Lord, this is just not the place for that. And it, it'll never be. And I just want to push those worries or anxieties out. And we want to be real with you our Heavenly Father, and open to your Spirit's prompting. And I also pray that if any hands are raised, and if I can't get to them, or church leaders or staff can't, that somebody beside them or on their aisle would just simply put a hand and love them and be Jesus to them. Let us be that church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all, and thank you all for opening up your heart and pouring it out to our Heavenly Father. He will always be there, and He loves each and every one of us so, so much that we can't, can't even imagine it. As we close, I'm going to ask Savannah Berry to come up. Uh, I know many of you know her. She's going to share uh, a brief personal testimony and also how we as a church want to help you with Rise with God in developing a stronger relationship. And, at the close of each service over the next month, we're going to have people come up and just share what we as a church want to do to try to help you and give you resources to grow in Christ. So, Savannah, y'all give her a hand, too. Come up here and talk. Hi, I'm Savannah. Um, some of you may know me as the maniac who plays with your kids in preschool. Um, and John Hugh has been really awesome to let me help out with the, the Rise with God portion of Raise. And I'm so excited. Um, you know, it's 
what a marvelous thing to be able to invest in our God in a personal way um, and to just seek him out daily, um, you know, or regularly. And I'm, I'm not here to tell you that I have it all together with a quiet time because I don't. Um, and I'm not here to, you know, tell you, oh, you've got to do this like so. Um, but, y'all, it's, it's really powerful. Um, the times where, I know for me personally, where I, where I take time out of my day. Because I know, I know y'all are busy. I know, I'm busy. And, and I really struggle with time management, you know. Um, but, but when we set aside time to really pursue God, really ask, Lord, what do you want out of me? Lord, y'all, life just flourishes. And, um, and so Patrick and I are going to be helping with this rise with God thing. And, um, we just want to encourage you and we want to be there and we want to be available resources for y'all. Um, not to say that you need to use us as resources. If you have better ones, I mean, that's awesome. Whatever works for you. But if you already have a quiet time and it's rocking and that's great and you want to help, you want help maximizing that time, then we would love to endeavor with you. If you're like me and you struggle with time management and you need help, you know, trying to figure out how to get one of those going, please, you know, don't hesitate to call me, text me, or email. I think my, yeah, my email and phone number are up there. So for those of you who are cell phone junkies, text me your email or text me or whatever. Some of you need accountability, you know, whatever, we'll figure that out. Um, But anyway, so I'm just really excited to see how God moves in you all. For those of you who do take up the challenge to really take initiative with your own spiritual walk and, and, and pour into God and let him pour into you in that way. So, anyway, I'm me. It's nice to meet you all. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Thank you again, Savannah. And again, as she said, she and Patrick Johnson are heading up the R portion of Raise, which is uh, trying to give you resources to help you, pray for you, just see how we can help um, you develop a stronger personal walk with Christ in time of prayer, time in God's Word. So, you know, we're going to keep growing our Raise table, but there, will, there already are and will be more books and resources uh, for your time with God. So uh, hope you'll use them. Hope you'll use Savannah, Patrick. Hope you'll use us as a church. Let's go ahead and close. Let's stand together. And uh, again, thank you for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you have a great week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I know that you're working on their hearts and their lives, dear Lord. We all want a stronger walk with Christ. Let us know that we can have that. Let us know, dear Lord, that we can, we can be prayer warriors, that we can be healers, that we can be leaders for Christ. Whatever we've gone through, whomever we think we are, you see us in such a different light. Let us turn our souls, our work, our marriages, our lives over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.